Hi everyone, my name is Michelle. I'm here with my best friend Christine and my husband Paul. And we're going to go into um, my podcast about invisible scars and how I survived through a very emotional and verbally abusive relationship. And we're going to tell some specific stories and, and get some feedback. So can you believe it's been 21 years since we took that trip to Barbados? It was a life-altering vacation. Yes, it was in so many ways. And no, I cannot believe it. Makes me feel old. Yeah, well, and I'm older than you. But that trip totally changed my life and, and yours. And we were both in a place where we needed an escape. We were in bad relationships where they ended and we were not in a good place and we got on the plane. Um, for me, I decided to walk away from an on-again, off-again relationship with the person who at the time I felt was the love of my life and I just needed to make a clean break. And for you, where, where were you at? Well, not quite in the same place, but basically my relationship walked away from me, right? <laughs> True. And then there came dad to the rescue with free tickets. And it was like, well, not free tickets, but. Well, yeah, he um, paid for the trip. He paid for the the, the, the accommodations. Yeah, yeah, the timeshare. So it was basically like, come to Barbados, bring a friend if you want. And uh, how could we pass that up, right? I know. It was it awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the um, best trip of our life. And who would have thought that it could potentially lead into so many different directions and everything that it did? I know. It's crazy. I remember um, not caring about anything, just wanting to have fun. I mean, we. <laughs> I remember sitting on the beach with Beulah. Was that her name? Yeah, Beulah. Yeah. And she braided our hair. Totally, totally, totally full head of hair, cornrows, both of us. Mm -hmm. And we just wanted to have fun. And then somehow we ended up at the boatyard. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the name of it. That was the name of it. <laughs> Did we go there a couple of times? I don't even remember. I think, mm. were we there only once? We went there once. We went oh. there once. Yeah, it was one one trip. One trip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, did we go with our friends? Did we? Oh, yeah, anyway. We went twice. <laughs> I think we were there. I think we liked that place. But yeah. anyway, I remember sitting with you and wanting to get a drink, and I... I walked up to the bar. I was getting Malibu and pineapple juice, which I haven't had. But didn't you tell me you just had that the other day? I did. Yeah. And it was delicious. It was weird. And I went to the bar to order our drinks. And there were a couple of guys sitting there. And you and I both thought they were in the band. <laughs> yeah. And. We couldn't have been more wrong. Couldn't have been more wrong. And. <laughs> When I ordered the drink, the response from one of those men was, what kind of drink is that? That's not a real drink. And I should have known from that conversation that this was not a good person to talk to, but I was so annoyed that he even said that that I made him try the drink. I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. I think he yelled at me when I got back for letting him try the drink. And um, then you and I were dancing because we used to dance. Oh, my God. We used to dance all the time. And I remember at one point you said to me, oh, my God, they're behind us or they're next to us. They were dancing. Something like that. Mm -hmm. And they definitely weren't in the band. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. And, and the next thing, you know, we were dancing with them. <laughs> we were dancing with them. And then we were just talking and it turned out that they were from New York and we were from New Jersey. And I remember saying I had to travel all this way to Barbados to meet guys from New York. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really think anything of it. And then one thing led to another. And I want to say the next couple of days we hung out with them for like how many days was that? I don't even remember. It was a few days. I forget how many days that was into the trip. 
We well, were only there a week. So we were only there a much. week, and I met him February 9th, and I think he left on the 12th. So I think we spent three days with them. They showed up at the beach, which we didn't think they would, mm-hmm. and they just kept showing up. And, of course, I was attracted to him, and it made me feel special, especially since I was getting over this relationship. Mm-hmm. And you just reminded me, we did go there more than once I because we, we went there the night we met them, and then we went back again we went back. with them. We did, and that's yes. when we did karaoke. Yes. Yeah, you convinced me to do karaoke. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what song we sang? Oh, gosh. Was it La Isla Bonita? Nope. <laughs> it was I Will what Survive. Was oh, that's the one we did? Okay. That it was, was I Will Survive. <laughs> and it's, for me, it's so ironic that that was the song that we chose to sing that night, belted it out, and they were there and watching. And it it almost became, it did become like a mantra yep. for the next 21 years of my life. So... I remember going to the beach. Do you remember when he wrote our names in the sand? Yes. And the date? (laughs) Go ahead. Tell me. Tell me. Well, no, if you're talking about the day that we were actually still on the island, that's one thing. I don't think I was there with you when that happened. You guys went off on your own for a walk. Are you sure? But I saw it after the fact when... Um, you got the gift for Valentine's Day when we were supposed to spend Valentine's Day together. <laughs> yeah, we were supposed to. Sp- ah. Well, that was the that was the thing. They left February twelfth. We left February thirteenth, and I ended up. I ended up cooking Valentine's Day dinner for you and I, but he ended up coming over. Yeah, something like that. Something crazy like yeah. that. Yeah, and he gave me. Um, a picture, oh my God, it, it had our names in the sand mm-hmm. with the date, two yep. nine ninety nine, And I remember right then thinking he was reeling me in. Like, it was too good. I should have known it was too good to be true. And, but anyway. I told you it was. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Uh. I know. And then... We hung out a lot, and I remember him coming to our apartment and watching TV. And do you remember what movie I watched with him? No. I think you were there. Well, you don't remember? It was Stepmother with, mm. um, who was in it? Julia Roberts and Susan, Susan Sarandon. Sarandon. I might have do been you remember? That. Yep. And I remember it was such a sad movie, and I was crying, and but it was a good movie, and I couldn't believe like this guy was okay watching a chick flick because most of them don't like to. And then a couple of weeks later, I think it was a couple of weeks later, he said, we need to have a conversation. And I was like, okay. And that's when he told me he had Two children. One was his son and one was his stepson, stepdaughter. His son was four and his stepdaughter was nine. And I can vividly remember having that conversation and telling you about it. And I, do you remember what your gut was telling you or how you felt when I told you or... Well, I remember the whole time, even from the day that he, you know, brought you the picture. I think that that picture might have also said your names and had forever after it or something it did. like that. And I was looking at this in my mind, you know, trying to sort of be the eternal optimist for you because I knew you led with your heart typically, and I typically did not. I would lead towards the side of my logical brain, right? Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking to myself, no, this is moving too fast. It's moving too fast. What's going on? You know, especially having lived together for the year that we did, Mm -hmm. you know, there was so much that we went through and talked about. And then all of a sudden it just felt like this was moving extremely fast for somebody that we barely knew. And then to find out about the kids was, it was crazy. And I remember, I don't, I don't know if it was, someone said to me, 
you know, you're 30 years old. At this point, people are, that you meet are going to be older and they could have been married and could have children. And you have to be okay with that, knowing that, you know, you're not 21 years old anymore. And I thought about it and I had a long conversation with him. And he told me that while the children were very important to him, he had no relationship with their mother. And I believed it. And I remember going to the house, to his apartment. I couldn't believe he had his own apartment. And uh, he actually liked candles, and he had the candles going and really did everything possible to kind of lure me in. And then... I think the craziest part was when his mother said to me, this is not my real son. This is not the person that you think he is. And I should have run at that point. But I don't know. I guess I was, I needed to be in a better place. And as you know, which is another story, my family life with, you know, my parents and my sister and my brother was not good either. So you were the only family I truly had at that point. So I felt like I belonged and I felt like this was where I was supposed to be. And then I made the decision to move out. Mm-hmm. God. Go ahead, say yeah, it. I know, you left me. I left you. <laughs> I left you. Uh, I left you. And then... I couldn't stop you. <laughs> did you try hard enough? No, I'm I, kidding. I think maybe. I thought I got mean. <laughs> you did. Uh, you know, you did. Probably selfishly, but I know that I was trying to, you know, help you. Well, because, you know, the reality is you can't know someone's heart, right? Only, and when you're in a relationship, only you can make the decisions for yourself, truly. You can hear everything. People can tell you whatever they want to tell you. But ultimately, you're going to make your own decision. So, you know. So, when did I, did I move out in April? Um, I think it was April. I want to say it was April or May. It might have been May. But it could have been April. You it, would know it, better than me. Maybe it was. Do you remember was. if you moved out in your, in your birthday month? I remember you doing... Um, a scavenger hunt for my birthday. So maybe I came back for my birthday. So maybe you don't remember? Yeah, and no, you did I a remember. picture. Of, it was for it was because it was around Easter. It was around Easter. Yeah. And it was a picture of the three of us, Charlie's Angels. Yeah, Do you we remember? did like an egg hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was cute, but it was, it was like a scavenger hunt. It was a scavenger hunt yeah. for my birthday. So yep. maybe I didn't move out before my birthday, but by May I was living there. Yeah. Yep. I was living there because then you ended up having to move apartments. Right. So if you think about it from that perspective, then we're going from February 9th to May, and your life, as it was, had completely changed. Completely changed. I ended up moving um, from... From the secure apartment you had with your best friend. <laughs> with my bestie. <laughs> and uh, and uh. I moved in with him and totally... I, everything changed at that point. And before I knew it, I learned that I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing, I think I did three or four tests in the bathroom at the the hotel where we worked at the World Trade Center because I couldn't believe it. There was no possible way. I was on birth control. There was no possible way, but there where I was. Pregnant. At 30 years old, with someone I hardly knew. And at the same time, I was terrified and happy, you know? And I think back, and I'm so glad that I ended up with my daughter because she was the best thing that came out of that. But totally, um, I don't know, everything changed at that point. Everything changed. And that's when he started to change. Do you remember? I, I'm i trying to think back to when I first noticed it. Well, I think, you know what? We should rewind a little here. Because he told me 
that he had nothing to do with the mother of his kids. There was no relationship that they were apart. Um, and then after I had Jordan, they came to visit me in the hospital. And I actually became friends with her. And when I had issues, she started to tell me that they were together up until he came back from that vacation. So not only did he lie about having kids, he then lied about the relationship with their mother. And then I was totally, I was trapped because I was pregnant with no family around or anything. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to you about it. And your head must have been going crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to think back at that point. But, yeah, it was something I couldn't even comprehend. I mean, you know, I was mid-20s. It was like, what is even happening here? This is totally different. All I knew was I had lost a roomie. But I was getting mm -hmm. ready to, you know potentially gain a niece, you know, right. which is great. Um, well, we didn't know it was a niece at that time, I think, no, did we? No. Not yet. Not yet. But it was still, you know, that's exciting for a woman. But, yeah, it's a, we, I think it was a very scary time. Like, we were all just kind of, what's, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. What's happening? What's next? Did I seem happy to you? I mean, when you were with me, you were always happy. You know, like we mm -hmm. always were able to talk through things and and support each other, I think, which was what was great. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, you weren't yourself. Like, and, and that was the thing that always made me nervous because I couldn't, once you moved out, I couldn't just get to you. Okay. Right? And so um, it would be, you know, you were just, you were there in, in his world. Right. And you had submerged yourself and you were about to have a child. So who was I to try to screw that up? Right. But in the same respect, um, you weren't as responsive as you typically had been. Um, you know, it just seemed like there was not not distance growing, but it was just harder to connect. Between right? us? Distance yeah, we weren't spending okay. as much time together. So not really mental dis distance mm -hmm. like that, but the physical distance like played a part because mm -hmm. when you're not seeing each other every day and when you don't have the opportunity to just have that downtime and chat it's and when you're not when i wasn't the one in the situation it was tough to see everything that was happening right mm -hmm. um and all and you were trying to make the best of it like every time i talked to you i remember you just you know you would tell me certain things that were going on but mm -hmm. you were also you know trying to see the bright side of things i think because you had no choice mm -hmm. right yeah, that's true. But it was tough to filter what was, well, I don't want to say filter, but it was difficult to decide how to advise you, right? Because okay. it's like, how do you, you don't want to, you don't want to break up a relationship if that's not, mm -hmm. if this is what you really wanted. But yeah, we could definitely see that there was a change. So there was a change. Yeah. Okay. Which I guess is normal when you move in with someone and mm -hmm. start a new relationship, right? And, yeah. But the whole thing with the with the ex had given me pause, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I was worried about you in that respect. I remember being in the hospital and you you came. I called you and you came there to be there when she was born. And his brother picked you up from the train station and after Jordan was born, the next day, he went to work. Do you remember that? Yes. He went to work. I also loved his brother, just so you know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And his brother sat with me in the hospital to the, uh, to the point where the nurses, they were trying to get the birth certificate signed, and they kept saying, sweetie, do you think the dad's going to come? Do you think the dad's going to come? And... There were so many little things that should have, I don't know, jumped out at me. And I didn't see it. I, I didn't see it. 
I well, didn't see it. And speaking of not seeing it, so talking about backing up, if you remember throughout the whole time during the pregnancy, there were a lot of signs. A lot of signs. That were just let go, right? I mm-hmm. mean, there was some meanness there, you know, during that pregnancy, which probably in retrospect, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You should have just moved back in with me. <laughs> and, and we would have I know, because we're still together. You. I know, we're still together. Um, <laughs> but you have to go through things. But do you remember? I do. Um, the intentional things that would be cooked in the house that were known to make you very ill during yes. your pregnancy. And yes. Why don't you elaborate a little on that? What was it? I'm trying to remember. Was it I fish hate or fish. Chicken? No, it was, it was fish, fish. Right? Yeah. It was fish. So, but you couldn't stand chicken during your pregnancy. I couldn't either. eat it chicken. It was making you nauseous. But yeah, um, he would intentionally cook fish and stink up the whole house, knowing that it was going to make, make you me sick. sick. And so you were constantly getting sick, and then the little digs, and then at some point. You know, there may have been some physicality, and it may have been um, at night or whatever, supposedly. I, re- I remember um, when, well, I, I ate a lot, and I started to gain, <laughs> I gained a lot of weight. But I remember when I could first feel her moving, mm-hmm. and I really didn't know what it was because I had no no idea. And I remember saying... Put your hand on my on my stomach. You can feel the baby move. And he said, I've been there, done that. It's nothing new to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember he really wanted nothing to do with it. He didn't want to feel her move or anything. Yep. And then he always had to go out with the guys. Yeah. Always. Which was okay because I liked seeing the girls. But one night that stands out the most to me was the day before Thanksgiving. I don't know if you remember, but I didn't feel great. And I think, I don't know if I, I think I worked that day. And I remember having Braxton Hicks and I didn't feel good. And he knew that and he went out anyway. He turned around and he said, I can't take care of you if I don't take care of me. And this is the biggest night and this is what we do. And he went. And I remember calling everybody because I thought I was going into labor. But it wasn't. I called the doctor and it was just, you know, Braxton Hicks. But there were a lot of things that kind of chipped away at me. And when I would talk to him about it, what did he do? He told me I was insecure because I gained so much weight or... um, I was just, it was my hormones and I was exaggerating. And at the same time, his mother would still say to me, I told you that the person you met wasn't my son. This is my real son. But at that point, I was getting ready to have Jordan. What, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What, do you, what, what do I do? And that the, we had bought a house. We were getting ready to move yeah. into the house. And um, something happened and we lost the contract. Everything was packed and we lost the contract on the house. Someone gave a better price and they were going to get the house. And I remember fighting and fighting and fighting with him. He slept on the couch. I slept in the bedroom. It was just, it was never a good, I don't know. After those first couple of months, it was never good wasn't like when we were in Barbados. Well, and I remember writing it off almost, not not me personally, but us when we would talk about it. And one of the things you what are the things you say? Getting ready to have a child or and then also, you know, your life is changing and then getting ready to buy a house, they say is one of the most stressful, stressful things, things that can ever happen in your life, right? So, clearly um he was not reacting well to stress. You guys weren't doing well through it, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess maybe in retrospect, we should have been able to see the signs, the continued signs. Correct. That if this was a true relationship based on mutual love and care, then it probably shouldn't have gone this way, at least not to the extent that it did, right? But we just kept making excuses and mm-hmm. and rationalizing why things were happening the way they were happening. And I remember after, well... When we lost the house, I remember waking up in the middle of the night and that's when my 
when my water broke. I don't know if you remember. Well, I, I know I called you to come, but it was a month early. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was a month that. early, and I'm positive that it was from all the stress and the arguing, and um, it was just, it was crazy, the amount of stress. And then when we came home from the hospital, do you remember what day I came home? Not loose, no. <laughs> And it was New Year's Eve. <laughs> was it New Year's Eve? New oh, Year's yeah. Eve. Well, that would make sense. 1999. Yeah, that would make sense. And I refused to stay in the hospital because everyone was crazy over Y2K. Mm-hmm. Um, and I refused to stay in the hospital on New Year's Eve. So I come home with the baby two days after having her. And do you remember what he did? He went out, didn't he? He, no. He No. W- did, go ahead. He made us... He had a freaking New Year's Eve party. Yes, he invited at the house. people, right? And I remember that. Yeah. He had his whole family over and friends, and I just got home from the hospital, and all I wanted to do was sleep mm-hmm. with my baby, lay down, relax, and I had to entertain all these people. And again, I should have known at that point, but something always made me think it was me. It was always me. It was never him. It was me. And after a while, when he made, he believed that so much that I started to believe it. Mm-hmm. And I know I stopped hanging out with my friends and seeing my family, and it was crazy. It was crazy. Well, and I remember having conversations with him where he would tell me, he tells you all the time, you know, oh, I tell her all the time she needs to call you. I tell her all the time she needs to go see you and spend time with you. And because I wasn't there, right, mm-hmm. and you were in a rough spot, you know, it, it was tough to know whether what he was saying was right or not. And it was just like, well, I'm trying to get her, but she's she obviously wants to be with her daughter, you know, which mm-hmm. it makes total sense. But he tried to spin it to everybody that you knew, it seemed, you right. know, in terms of making himself look. What I meant to say was making himself look like the good guy, the like good he's guy. trying to do right by you. But what he's not showing to the world, what he wasn't showing to the world, he put on the good face every time he was in public with anybody else, made it seem like he could potentially be the doting boyfriend or the doting father. But in fact, he wasn't behind the scenes. He was treating you badly, right. you know, and breaking you down. And that was not good. Right. You know? Right. I remember those conversations. Even And my, not making it easy for you. Yeah, and even my mom, he had her so wrapped around his finger Mm -hmm. because when I would tell her some of the stuff she never believed me ever she was she told me I was making things up it was my hormones everything that he had said Mm -hmm. my mother was saying and because she only saw the side that he wanted everybody to see yeah and your mom didn't see you that often my mom didn't see me you know Mm -hmm. she wasn't there she wasn't And then she passed away when Jordan was two and a half. So then I really had no family. And we started having real, real issues in our relationship. And I was was ready to leave. And I remember at that point, at one point, talking to his ex. And that's when she told me that she was with him that whole time. And they only broke up after he came back from vacation. And I was kind of the one that ended their relationship. Even though she didn't blame me, that was the catalyst that ended their relationship. Mm -hmm. And she lived in that apartment where I was living. Mm -hmm. And she took all of her stuff. Didn't tell him she was leaving, but she took all this stuff and and she left. And then we became friendly we started to build a relationship because we kind of had the same situation different kids same guy but I was stuck and she was out so and at one point I couldn't take it anymore and I got an apartment Mm -hmm. I remember that (laughs) I didn't even tell him I was leaving I got the apartment and I just moved my stuff out. It was on the same street, but I wanted to be near Jordan, and I didn't want to have any problems, and I wanted to see the other kids. 
but you and I moved. <laughs> I remember carrying the furniture. Carrying the stuff <laughs> to uh. the to the apartment and up the stairs and and then even that didn't work because the person I was sharing the apartment with decided to move back to Puerto Rico and you know we flashed forward a few years here but this was right after September 11th and um, when I think back had I not had Jordan I would have still been working at that Marriott at the World Trade Center I probably would have been there that day and you left you left after I left right you mm-hmm. left the hotel yeah because when did you leave December of 99 yeah, and I left in, um, like, September, I think it was, of 2000. And then Rena left. And then I think Rena left, I think. And then Felix left. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is, everyone in my life, to this day, I met with, I met them at that hotel or knew of them from that hotel and we all met our spouses at that hotel and you met your spouse there and Rena and it was so crazy but Jordan is the one that kind of got us out Mm -hmm. and so many times I ask why did I go through this why did I have to go through this and I always think back that it brought me Jordan but with Jordan um, I decided not to work in New York City anymore and then I went to work at a select service hotel. And um, there were challenges there too. I remember many times um, having to go to work and license plates were taken off of my car so I couldn't go to work. He was mad at me for whatever reason. Um, he threw my shoes across the street had to find my shoes before I could get to work. And then I would have to call my boss, who's now my husband, but he wasn't at the time. <laughs> but I would have to call him and tell him I can't get to work because he took the license plates off the car or he took all the sets of keys or he threw my shoes out. And that now it started, not only did it impact my life, but it started to damage my career. So do you have any any thoughts that stand out for you about that time? My goodness, yeah, um, quite a few. I remember that was my first position as a general manager and you were my assistant mm-hmm. general manager and had it been more experienced, I probably would have fired you <laughs> because... Yeah, but I did all the work. So. You did. You did. But I, but you couldn't get to work. And when you did come to work, half the time you were upset. You were crying. You were taking calls all day long from either him or his family. And it made it very challenging because you were very distracted. And as, as good as you were as a manager, you still had this huge distraction. And the things that you told me about what he did to you was just unbelievable. Stuff that you hear about or see in a movie, but I've never known anyone in my entire life that would be that vindictive um, to do something like that to anyone, much less a woman, because that's just not, Mm -hmm. that's just not how I was raised. I couldn't believe someone was raised like that or was allowed to, to be in our in our community, or any community for that matter, to treat people like that. So it was shocking. Did you believe me some of the times when I would no. call and say I, I couldn't get to work? Not at first. I didn't, no, because I didn't know him. I met him mm-hmm. a couple of times, and he was very f- fast-speaking and smooth, and he was a salesman. And mm-hmm. I, at that time, you know, I was younger, and I didn't realize, you know, that a lot of these People are very good at keeping a facade up. I've never known anyone who was so egocentric and and manipulative. Um, so no, I I didn't always be, I didn't always believe you because I really 
I thought, oh, wow, this, there's a lot of drama here. I'm like, how do I distance myself? But as long as you're doing your job, I'm like, okay, I don't know what else to do mm-hmm. right now. So, so I rolled with it for a long time. And then, you know, we, we had a good rapport we always did at work. And that relationship, I think, is what, what kept it together. And then I, I felt compelled to want to help. Mm-hmm. and see what I could do to help you. I, I mean, at the time, I, you know, um, was just trying to, to manage a hotel and first time ever. So I didn't I didn't know how to deal with that, but mm-hmm. I said, let me see what I can do to help. And Did you wonder why I stayed? Seeing, I mean, like seeing the way he would speak to me and things that he would say. And because it was back at the time when we had the Nextels and... and oh, I hated those. I hated them and... And they were a constant interruption. All day long, people would just start speaking in the middle of a conversation we were having or if you mm-hmm. were at the front desk. So, um, yeah, no, I did wonder. I, I, I didn't understand. Couldn't wrap my head around the fact that why would someone allow another human being to treat them like this? And, and I knew it was complex with Jordan uh, in this situation, but... The abuse, the verbal and mental abuse that you were enduring, I, I could not fathom. Like I, I didn't have to handle that at that point, at all. Process it. It's it's still when I when I think back, and it was a long time ago. It's still, it's so vivid, like it was yesterday. I remember, um, the the one time one time that I wanted, I was really hoping that, I don't know, he threw, we had a fight. And I don't know if you remember, but he took the mattress and I was walking down the stairs and I remember telling you that he threw the mattress at me down the steps and he spit in my face. And to me, I think I would rather be hit than have someone spit in my face Mm -hmm. because I was, I was done, but I was stuck. I was trapped. I I didn't know what to do. How do I leave my kid? What, where am I going to go? And... It was it was hard. It was it was really hard. And so when people say, "Why didn't they leave?" and "Why are they there?" and "Why did they stay?" you just you never know until you're in that situation how hard it is for people to walk away. I had my kid. I wasn't making a ton of money back then, um, and I I didn't really have a lot of choices. And then I always suspected that there was somebody that he was seeing somebody or because he was never home he would go out every weekend and leave me with all the kids and his nieces and nephews and that was fine because we had a good time but he was never around and I love to cook you guys know that and I would make dinner and he would open a can of I don't know. Or he'd make egg whites or something. And I remember having this whole dinner cooking and getting ready to sit down with the kids. And he said, I eat when I'm hungry. I don't wait for anybody to eat. And then he would go out. And I always suspected that there was something, somebody or whatever. And then on my birthday, I don't know if you remember, but um, God, it was what, 2005. It was April of 2005. And he went to Miami. I went to see you. Jordan and I went to see you. You were opening your store. And you couldn't believe that he went away on my birthday for my that birthday weekend. And when he came home, I was on the computer. And we didn't all have our own computers at that point. And I found an email trail between him and this woman that he met in Miami. And that was the thing that kind of said, okay, this is not in your head. This is real. He's talking to somebody else. Let's see how he tries to talk his way out of this. And he did. He tried everything possible. But at that point, I knew that I got what I needed. I needed the validation that it wasn't me, that I wasn't crazy, and that this is what he was doing. And that's why he went away on my freaking birthday. See, and I didn't understand that because I, there were so many signs and so many instances that both Christine and I, as we obviously talk about this now, we realize that why did it? Why did it take that? Why was? Why did you need something like that 
to break away from that situation. Because he always made me feel like everything was, it was me. That, yeah, he, you know, he loved me. He always would say, I love you and this and that. And you have to be more secure with yourself and and our relationship. And, and it was part of that whole, this whole pattern when you are verbally and mentally abused is they beat you down to make you feel like you're not worthy of anything. So when you question something, they always have an answer or a response. And it's always that it's me or somebody else, that it's never them. And so I stayed because where was I going to go? I had no parents at that point. Um, was I going to move back with you, with Jordan? Who was going to? I know. But, hmm. and, and but then, no, know. you know, his mom watched her. I think we paid $50 a week. Like, where was I going to find somebody to watch her for that and go to work? And it was, it was hard. And where was I going to get the money to move out? Even though I moved out once and I had to go back because, you know, you know my friend went back to Puerto Rico. But I don't know. And when I finally, finally got that confirmation, that's when something changed in my head. And I decided to take money out of my 401k, put money aside, and look for a place to go. So, and that was in 2005. God, it was a long time ago. And I remember you came to me because at the time I had access to furniture. I needed furniture. You know, and bedding and stuff like that for the um, for your apartment. So I was happy to help you. And I, But I just kept thinking, I'm like, is this just going to be a couple months? Because you had moved out once before mm-hmm. and you ended up back with him. So I, I was like, you know, I want to see you get away from him because he's toxic. And I, you know, I was I was willing to do whatever I could to help you. But... How do you help someone who, you know, can't can't mentally break away? Um, so, you know, and then that's when I think, you know, you started, we started seeing each other a little bit more. Well, yeah, and I, part of that was because when I did move out, I didn't have Jordan all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was devastated that she wasn't with me. And that was the other thing. It's like, how do I leave and not have my kid the whole time? Like, that's... That was hard. So, yeah, I remember hanging out with you at, at your store because I didn't want to – not that I didn't want to hang out with you, but I didn't want to be alone, and we had fun, and and you got it because you knew how he treated me. And um, and we had known each other since, 19, at that point, seven years, Correct. right? We met in 1998. That's right. Right? So you were, you were my friend, and you knew, you know, that I needed – to just have a break from being at my house by myself and crying every time I walked past my daughter's room and she wasn't there. So, um, but even trying to get a parenting schedule with him was torture. He wouldn't agree to anything and he couldn't even, I don't know if you guys remember, but he could not even commit to a set schedule on what days I would have Jordan and what days he would have Jordan. He ended up getting another job, I think, at a supermarket or something. And it was always based on that schedule. So he would call me and he'd say, uh, I need you to take Jordan tomorrow and I'll take her the next day. And and now Jordan at this point was almost six. And it would break my heart because she would say to me, Mommy, who's, whose house am I sleeping at tonight? Like, it just wasn't... It wasn't ideal for any of us. And uh, I remember you coming with me trying to get, or you met me. You met me after I went to try to discuss a parenting agreement. He wouldn't sign anything. He wouldn't agree to anything. And it was just, it was torture. Even every little thing he fought me on. And, And that was with me gone. So imagine living there every single day. I don't know. I don't know. It was hard. Yeah, I remember that. Because he had this whole control thing. And he had this whole thing about his, I think, his own self. Well, 
looking back, it looked like he had his own thing with self-worth and failure. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you know he never wanted this, but, like, you know, I think back to that, and I'm like, he just could not give in to anything. He had to be the one that had control over everything. Mm -hmm. And he made you feel bad, if you remember, right, when you left. Mm -hmm. He was like, don't even try. I remember hearing, don't don't even try to get custody of your child. You know, your job was somehow less than him. Everything about you was somehow less Less than than him, him and that he would end up with custody. He would fight you to the nail. And you still didn't have the strength at that time to fight him, you know, because you were too afraid of of what would happen. I I didn't want to lose Jordan. I think my favorite conversation was when you told me that you were ready to move out, and he said, don't move out. We we can live in the same house together and just live separate lives. Oh, right. And that just blew my mind. So, I mean... That and was, she can basically keep house and take, keep care, house, of take care of the kids. Well, take and care of goes out and his other his children as well with right. his other relationship. And she would stay there and, and take care of the kids. Yep. And I was so glad to hear that you were not down for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that wasn't going to happen. But, you know, again, thinking, you know, when you think about that whole dynamic of my house, like walking away from him was also walking away from those kids. You know, I right. Who you grow to love? Who I love? I still love them, and and now we're in a place with, you know, luckily, you welcome them into our home, and and we play Monopoly, and we cook, and we have family reunions with with his family, not him, of course, but they all are involved in our life, and that that was one of the things. Like I did not want to not be with those kids, and I think it was. It was really difficult, especially earlier on, when he still had control over the family. Yeah. Um, and for the 10 years of our marriage, you know how crazy that was with custody and mm-hmm. court and and everything. But as I saw the kids slowly, his older son and mm-hmm. st- his uh, stepdaughter, stepdaughter grow distant from him. And I saw what he did to them. Um, it was much easier for me to welcome them into my home because I I knew that they saw the evil within him, and that they, even though this was their father for years, they were able to walk away because of how he treated them as well. And thankfully, they were young enough and smart enough to realize they shouldn't be in that situation. Right. It took a couple of years. It it took a few years for them to not be angry at me because of course if this is what he could do to me at 30 imagine what he was doing to those kids and and how you know he beat them down not physically but verbally and mentally um he would tell them stuff about me and of course they didn't know any better but to listen to him or to believe him and it wasn't until uh it was a few years and when Jordan would dance and we would be forced together with the kids. And there were, if you remember one of her recitals, they didn't even talk to us. The kids didn't even talk to me, and I think that was harder than anything for me. It, it was tough to see him in any setting after those first couple of years when we worked right. together and the stories that you told me. Even to look at his face pretty much repulsed me. But times were very... Um, uh, I would say very difficult and the climate was really sensitive with the court proceedings and everything that happened so I tried not to show how I felt but it was very difficult because I didn't want to be in his company I didn't either I didn't want to have to say hello to him um, and it was it was really difficult very difficult so I don't know it was tough you know, a lot of times I didn't understand why you stayed. I didn't understand a lot of where, why the strength wasn't there. Where, you know, you had Christine, you had myself. And, you know, then I've learned, of course, about your past and mm-hmm. your parents and that whole situation. I didn't understand what... What prevented you from, well, from doing it sooner? And again, I, 
the reason why I, I chose Invisible Scars is because nobody had a clue. Nobody knew what I was going through because when you looked at me, I was, I always had, you know, I was laughing or smiling or whatever. And I, I make jokes about everything and nobody knew. Even to this day, there are people, when I told them I was doing this, they're like, you're kidding me. You went through all of that. And, and so for all those years, for people to not know, um, there's a lot of people out there that are probably going through the same thing. And I wanted to do this so that people know that they can get out, that there's hope and, you know, it doesn't have to always be, you know, where you're just beaten down verbally. But no one understands not walking away because you're not in you're not in the situation. Even even your 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 family doesn't understand um, some of the things that we've told them that you've seen firsthand. Like they don't understand or didn't understand how because now everything is different, which will be in another uh, another episode. But not being around it every single day and hearing the phone calls and the threats and everything else they didn't understand you know what i mean agreed and in fact very early on they're like they told me walk away move out of that situation because you know how i felt about that whole dynamic when we were getting ready to get married i said i'm going to be married to this individual well even when for we the were rest dating, of my life like, through jordan it was a big choice for you it it was it was a big because again i i didn't come from a dynamic anything sim like similar to what what you had experienced and i couldn't i couldn't understand it and i i, I didn't understand that the invisible scars that were in your mind and that had happened to you and, and i don't know christine did you when you met michelle did you know that anything about her past as far as was it obvious to you that she had been through a lot? With my family. Yeah, I mean, so when we first met, right, we became relatively fast friends. Right? Yes. We started hanging out. And, of okay. course, girls will be girls. So yes. <laughs> we chatted about everything and talked about a lot, right? But it still takes a while to understand and get into the deep-rooted stuff. And it wasn't until a few years later, which I'm sure will be in another episode, mm -hmm. when... I started to meet members of the family when I started and understand more of that, when I started to realize, too, how much she had to pull herself through, even from an early age, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I was thinking back to what you said, too, Paul, about, like, why couldn't she pull herself out, right? Because seemingly, on the surface, you were a very strong woman. Like, you were always smiling, you were always happy, fun to be around, everything for the most part. And then when we'd chat, we'd find out more, right? Like things would start right. to come out. Or when we were living together and I mm -hmm. learned all the, the details. But, you know, you put on a brave face. And, and going on this trip that we went on, you know, yeah, we were coming from a place that was rough. But you were in a vulnerable spot. And you guys quickly moved into something. And he just quickly took advantage and turned and started mm -hmm. beating you down. So planting those seeds of of control and negativity and just some of the subtle, you know, verbal abuse like that, I think just messed with your head and, and not for anything, but you got pregnant relatively quickly, right? I know. So a woman's hormones are going crazy. And that is, they say you don't get your hormones back in action or back right for at least six months, right? Yeah. So if you think about that and you think about the timeline, it was probably very easily for you, very easy for you to fall into that pattern of abuse. Mm -hmm. And then to regain enough mental strength to be able to pull yourself out, knowing and stop doubting yourself. Does that make sense? It like, does. Like, I really think, uh, unfortunately, because of how fast all that happened, that probably played into to why it was so difficult for you. Because I think today... And I wonder if you would agree with me if the same thing were to happen today. Now, granted, and even at this age, you mean, or yeah, okay. at this age, okay. obviously you've lived through it, right? Yes. So now your, your actions would be even, would be, would be different. Right. But I think maybe if it, even if you hadn't lived through that, if you were in a different state, like in this day and age, if those types of things were to happen to you, you would probably walk away very quickly mm -hmm. and realize, put your foot in the sand and be like, no, you know? But at the place you were in your life at that time, 
I don't, it just made it that much more difficult, right? right. I mean, it did. And it's funny because they always say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, I don't need to be any stronger than I am. Um, but yet something always pushed and pushed and pushed. And it just, I don't know, made me stronger. I know you're shaking your head at me, but. No, it was, it's, it's, it was a very difficult situation. And I think Christine and I both were raised in a different dynamic with a mother and father that were supportive and loving and we don't we didn't get what you what you went through or where you even started from so there's a lot that we didn't understand that happened before right he came into the picture that that made your mind process things a little differently than we would have right um and and stay as long as you did so but we've and learned through the years that what I find interesting, too, is I, I knew about the stuff going on, like, with my family in my house. But after being exposed to the manipulation with him, it made me realize the manipulation that started or the that abuse that started when I was a kid. And I allowed my father to to wear me down uh in a in a mental mentally abusive way and didn't even realize that what was that was happening until i saw it from the perspective as an adult and after having my child and making a decision that i don't want her around my father cuz i don't want her to go through what i went through it kind of yeah it just opened up a whole new perspective for me i don't know which we'll get into at another time. Mm -hmm. But um, the interesting thing that we'll talk about too is when um, you and I got married and then suddenly he had a girlfriend, he was getting married, and you know we thought we were in a good place with our relationship with him. And we were just fooled yet again, you know? Well, and, and, and you know that the main reason that happened is because you took back control. Right. You decided that we need a, we need a schedule for Jordan, as we both decided. Right. We were not going to live by his rule and say we could have her when it was okay for him. And when that occurred and you took back control, he started to fight because he, he's about control. Right. And you needed to control your life and your daughter's life so that she could be raised like a normal child and have fun with her friends and make play dates. And, and that wasn't happening. Right. So you took control. And the I, worst I thing, tried. Yeah. I tried. And he, even then, he still tried to he beat did. me down. He did. And he, he beat me down a few times. He tried. But, but you stood tall and we got through it together. And it was a long eight to ten years but um a lot happened but i think you got stronger as a result but he wasn't going out without a fight you knew right. that i know yeah everything was a power play everything Absolutely. rather than just well and it's like you go back to what you were saying you know about him it's like you know i i hate to use the word evil but it is what it is mm -hmm. right you know whatever is in there that makes him make someone think it's okay to treat people so wrongly you know mm -hmm. is just unfathomable to me right yeah. but everything it, it could never be about you it could never be about anybody else right it, was always it about had him. to be about him he had to have it his way and if you are a in my opinion, loving, nurturing, caring person who feels a sense of responsibility for how they treat others, you don't do that, you right. know? And that's just not the way it was. And you are one of the most nurturing, loving people I've ever met. I mean, I never had to think for anything when we lived together because you pretty much took care of me, you know? I did. And it's like, you just, no matter what you did, you always, you, tr you, 
tried to help people. You mm-hmm. were always trying to take care of everybody and do what was right. It's the nurturer. It's the nurturer in you. And people like that. him take advantage. Take advantage of that. Yeah. Narcissists like him mm-hmm. take advantage of the good nature in someone like you and he exploited it. He really did. And I think earlier in your life people didn't value that aspect or that characteristic in you enough. Okay. As well. Never Alone Again, Domestic Violence Organization and Resource Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that was created in 1999 to offer empathetic support for victims of domestic abuse. Motivated by personal experience and the awareness of a need for a safe haven, NAG was developed. We are a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to providing high-quality and individually tailored support services to victims and survivors of domestic violence abuse and families in need. www.neveraloneagain.org